May I speak in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. These words come from Jesus' farewell to his disciples. Just like last week's gospel, Jesus is speaking to the disciples in their time of fear and anxiety of Jesus leaving them. And his greatest comfort that he offers them is that they will not be orphaned. That even though Jesus is going away, He is going to the Father and will return to them. And in the meanwhile, while we may not be able to see Jesus, we are not alone because we will have an advocate, the Holy Spirit. I believe that it is this spirit, this spirit of truth that is leading Paul. Our story from Acts today is one of my favorites. It's sort of like TV shows nowadays. We, we kind of pick up in the, at the end of the show, but we don't quite know how Paul has gotten to where he is. Standing in front of the Areopagus, it's a hard word to say, Areopagus in Athens, talking to a bunch of Greek philosophers. And to figure out how we got to this scene, I think we have to back up a little bit to read that Paul had made his way from Israel to Greece. He had stopped and visited a few cities. He preached the gospel of the risen Jesus in synagogues and to the Greeks that he met. And he converts some. And then he gets to Thessalonica, And he does the same thing, except this time folks get really upset at what he is saying. Mm -hmm. They accuse Paul and his friends of offering new gods and turning the world upside down. And so Paul and his companions are forced to leave Thessalonica, and they go to the next town and they start doing the same thing, preaching the gospel, but the group from Thessalonica was not done with Paul. They found out where he went, and they went after him and stirred up trouble in the next town. And so Paul, realizing that he is not safe, some of his friends decide that they should take him to the coast. Paul leaves behind Silas and Timothy, who had been traveling with him, and makes it to Athens and tells his companions to go back and tell Timothy and Silas to meet him there. So Paul suddenly finds himself a long way from home, alone in Athens. Now Paul doesn't hide out, right? Paul can't keep his mouth shut. He goes back to a synagogue and he teaches 
And he walks through the streets and the marketplaces and he looks at all of these idols that were built to other gods. He goes and he debates with the philosophers on the street who look at him and call him a babbler, someone that is not making any sense, talking about some strange new god. And the text will tell us that the Athenians actually loved learning new things. And so they take Paul, not invite him, but they take Paul to the Areopagus a place that was usually used to try criminals. And that is where our scene begins. And there Paul proclaims the gospel to the Athenians, but maybe not in the way we would expect. Instead of calling them out for all their idols, he offers a compliment and says, I see how religious you are. And then he tells them about how he walked through the streets and looked at their idols and studied what they worshipped. And he does not condemn them, but says in looking at this, I see that you have an idol to the unknown God. That in the midst of this place of philosophy and cultures coming together, Paul has found the place where they have left an opening to know the true God. And he tells them, for what you call unknown, I now proclaim to you as known. This God is the maker of the world, the Lord of heaven and earth. This is the known God that does not need idols made by human hands of stone and precious metal. This known God does not need our names and our places because this God breathed life into the world and made all the peoples of the world from one blood. Amen. And this known God gave order to chaos and set day apart from night and gave land and separated the waters so that we could walk and work and love and he did this so that we his people could search for him and even in this place so far from jerusalem so far from the language and customs that paul knows god is still near and even though the athenians call this god unknown paul filled with the spirit of truth, tells them this God is known and that our time of unknowing is past because this God's love and grace is known because God sent a man who will judge the world in righteousness and has assured us of this by raising that man from the dead. Look how far the church has come from disciples in an upper room filled with anxiety and fear to the story we had of Stephen preaching as he is martyred outside of the gates of Jerusalem to Paul run out of at least two towns standing in a city of idols preaching the gospel to Athenian philosophers to hear to us today 
as people led by the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel in Fairfield and Birmingham and wherever we find ourselves. I said earlier that this story is one of my favorites. And I think it is because this scene of Paul in Athens reminds me so much of the world that we live in today. We live in a world filled with idols, money, sex, power, violence, death. We build buildings and drive fancy cars and wear fancy clothes all so that we feel like we can matter in this world. But in this same world, there is beauty and arts and music and stories and poetry, all of which point us to a goodness in ourselves and that remind us that we are searching for something. As 21st century disciples and evangelists of Jesus, we are called to follow the spirit of truth and to, like Paul, stand in the marketplace and to listen and to learn from the world around us and to find the thing that is unknown that gives us space to proclaim what is known, which is salvation through Jesus Christ. We don't bring God to the world, but we go out into the world and point to where God is. And we say that what you are searching for, what, will you, what you were created to search for, is not far off and is not bound up in material things, but what we are searching for is the God in which we live and move and have our very being. Amen. Now Paul uses that phrase, and he is quoting someone when he says, in him we live and move and have our being. But it's not a quote from Jesus or a prophet or a proverb. It's a quote from a Greek poet. And that poet was writing about the Greek god Zeus. And Paul takes the beauty that is in the Greek's poetry and points them to the source of that and points that poem away from Zeus and away from what they understood and back to the completely knowable God. In this whole scene, Paul shows us how we can be disciples to a world that are hungry for what it does not yet know. Not disciples of fear and condemnation, but disciples that point to a God not far off, but right next to us. This phrase from this Greek poet is quoted by Paul, and it has even found its way into our prayer book. And in this present day, with a world that seems to move so fast and seems so loud, we need this prayer now more than ever. We call it the Collect for Guidance, and it's found in morning prayer. 
And so as we worship here this morning and as we leave this place and move ever closer to the Feast of Pentecost and lead, have the Spirit lead us and take us wherever we go, I offer this prayer to you and ask you to take it with you. Heavenly Father, in you we live and move and have our being. We humbly pray you so to guide and govern us by your Holy Spirit that in all the cares and occupations of our life, we may not forget you, but that we may remember that we are ever walking in your sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.